Hello, this is Mike Knezovich, and welcome to the latest edition of Tune Up with Mike and Monty, Brain Science Step-by-Step. Step. Every week we discuss how the brain works and sometimes how it doesn't work the way we want it to. I'm here with Dr. Monty Pavaluri. How are you today, doctor? I'm great, Mike, and hello, everyone. Um, it's fun to be doing this this week. We don't do every week, right? No, we Once don't do while. every week, but... <laughs> This one, um, we're doing uh, a little more quickly after the last one because we started last week talking about perspective taking, the ability to sort of see what others see uh, or understand what others understand from their point of view. And it's, a, it's an important enough topic and complicated enough that we thought we would sort of take it up again to, to refine some of the things we began talking about last week. Uh, for example, uh, I think... In my mind, and last week, I spoke about uh, empathy and perspective taking as if they are interchangeable. And although they might be related, they really aren't the same thing. Right. I mean, I, I still think, Mike, that they're somehow related very closely. However, you know, it's really important to differentiate the uh, finer aspects of multiple terms related to perspective taking. Uh, we might as well do that at upfront. Yeah. Um, perspective taking, for example, is a process of temporarily uh, suspending or stopping how one would think from one's own point of view and then view it from the situation as someone else might think or uh, uh, understand. Um, and usually, you know, we use several strategies when you're doing perspective taking, um, such as you imagine oneself in that other person's place or we would have had similar experiences in the past or we apply general knowledge and then pull it together cognitively and it could be visually understanding uh, what they could have seen uh, by physically changing our location or it could be understanding mentally uh, what other person might be thinking and it doesn't really need any compassion or emotional identification with the other person. So it's more of a cognitive or intellectual exercise. Yeah, it's just basically understanding what you are thinking mm -hmm. about the certain aspect and different angles. You know, for example, in business, you think that you know, um, uh, you, you're negotiating things, then you think about what your perspective is on what you're trying to sell and why you're selling that way, you know? So it is useful in business. When it comes to empathy, it's a capacity to understand and feel what another person is experiencing and within their frame of reference. So it's actually the capacity to emotionally place oneself in another's position. So it's... It's an, the basic difference is it's emotionally focused. Yeah, it has a, you know, it encompasses several emotional states. And I mean, you can also, of course, say, Mike, that it could be like, uh, uh, it could be divided into, say, cognitive empathy, where you think about what others might be thinking and feeling. And emotional empathy is the effective state when they're thinking about someone else. And somatic empathy is where others might try and feel what it would be like physically for you mm -hmm. through their through their um, feelings. So, you know, to expand on empathy, yeah. uh, uh, say it's compassion and sympathy are somewhat associated with it, like it's an empathic concern, right? Compassion is something that you would, you would worry about um, uh, what um, others are um, 
thinking and feeling, but with an attitude to help. Whereas um, uh, sympathy would be something like you are concerned about someone else. You have an empathic concern, not necessarily uh, trying to help. So compassion may be a little superior to sympathy in some way, but compassion is not always required and sympathy is where it ends uh, sometimes. Uh, they're all good terms, but they're related to one another and with empathy. Um, yeah. So perspective taking is different from empathy. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, so uh, what is going on? What what do we know about what's going on in the brain? What is the theory of, 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 of the mind in terms of what's going on sort of physiologically, you know, the sort of brain science part of it? Right. So first I want to under, help, you, help everyone understand what theory of mind is, though. It is different than perspective taking, however, Mike. I mean, it is a... In, it's completely different. It's sort of related, but different from perspective taking and um, uh, to some extent, and a large extent, empathy. Theory of mind is a innate uh, ability of a person to understand um, others' experience. Um, and it's related to empathy, of course, though, but the meaning and recognition and understanding of states of minds of others, including their beliefs, um, desires and particularly emotions is important here and it's for example theory of mind is explained through an example much better say for example if you have a box of chocolates when I was little I used to you put a lot of pencils in the in the chocolate box and take to school uh-huh. so um, and, and somebody might mistake it for, oh, you got chocolates to school. And then when you open it, there are pencils. So someone else uh, might ask me uh, what Sam would think if he sees this box. I would say, if I say uh, pencils, then I don't have the ability or theory of mind to understand the false belief that oh. is being held. So... When, when I say, oh, Sam would think it's chocolates because he would have a soft, false belief because it's a chocolate box. Yeah. You know, you could reasonably un- understand. He could reasonably understand, yeah. you know, what others would think if you see something common. Common things are common, we say, right? Right. So when, when you are stuck with what you just learned as a false thing uh, and think that others would have also that false belief is where there's deficit of theory of mind. Okay. So that's when the people with children or adults with autism have major deficit. 80% of people with autism have deficit in theory of mind. Whereas people with even Down syndrome, that is with intellectual disability, and people without autism don't have the deficit in theory of mind. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that is the ability to switch and understand other people's mind and hold the false belief is different than actually perspective taking in a broader sense or empathy that is emotional concern for someone else. So they're, they're kind of like intricately connected themes, yes. but they're all, all three are different. No, they are subtly different, but kind of different in important ways in terms of when you're understanding. That's really interesting about the Down syndrome people and people that, I mean, and it also tells you something about 
how important that is in our daily lives. Right, right. And, and you know, I, another personal example I have, just to make it clear, mm -hmm. about uh, perspective taking. Okay, when, this is like culturally also interesting. When my husband, who's the son-in-law, goes to my mother's house, my mom would lovingly feed him food, okay? And the dinner, lunch, whenever he comes, it's a big feast and, and you know, and she insists that he eats. And he, of course, she empathically prepares all the things he likes, uh -huh. but he can only eat so much. <laughs> and so she keeps spitting more and more on his plate. So my mom is empathic, but she lacks perspective taking right. of my husband who's not eating so much, especially at this age. Right. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's I think that's an example able, lots and lots of us could Yeah, yeah, it's kind of understand. funny, right? But that's kind of an easy way to understand. Yeah. I mean, another thing, I used to, um, like, say, when I sort of shared a sad story to a friend, some people kind of are very empathic and express concern and understand the perspective of my experience as well. And then they might be very compassionate and offer me solutions, mm -hmm. okay? Whereas some people might be very sympathetic and feel sorry. Or some people might really start crying uh -huh. and, ha and deep into their personal distress because they are so moved by my story. They're, I'm they're feeling the same thing you're feeling. Same feeling, but he, that's not like they're empathic. But then that empathy is very different from the personal distress they're feeling. Like they're bringing their own personal pathology in some way, uh -huh. into, not pathology, but experience yeah. is a little over the top. Yeah. So it's it, it's it's sort of like a gradual and multiple ways of how people respond. So when you take a perspective, it's just basically understanding other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. Whereas empathy is a little different. You know. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to uh, uh, clarify. So when you take a perspective taking, uh, you asked at the outset, what's the neurobiology? Because we are on the topic of perspective taking, I would really like to just kind of uh, summarize some of the brain uh, uh, workings behind perspective taking, mm -hmm. which is now cognitive understanding from various angles of what other person might be thinking or visual or um, thinking level, okay? Mm -hmm. So, uh, last time we talked a little bit about first-person perspective versus third-person perspective, what, you would, what it would mean for you, okay? So, it's almost like, um, you know, when you are not thinking about empathy here, but just the perspective taking, okay? And uh, that's when you actually see um, uh, the mentalizing network in action. You're mentalizing, you're mentally considering what other person is thinking. And what is fascinating is there's a network behind this mentalizing process in perspective taking where uh, there's meta-analysis done and ton and ton of studies showed very similar findings. So I can't quote a single study for it, for example, mm -hmm. but it's just, trust me, it's just a cohesive understanding. It's, um, you know, basically a medial prefrontal cortex is activated when you're mentalizing. And uh, there is also a, a uh, when the network consists of superior temporal sulcus, that is the lateral part of the brain um, 
uh, on the side uh, at the back, dorsal and posterior. So on the top and at the back of the side, if you can understand. Mm -hmm. um, that's the superior temporal sulcus and where it meets the parietal cortex, where the cones of our brain are. So that's temporal parietal junction. So all that side part of the brain is involved, the dorsal part, when you're remembering the cold facts, okay, from experience, you know, what happens in this situation, why you would be thinking that way, those kinds of cold facts based on the world's experiences. Mm -hmm. And then the heart perspective or understanding others' thinking uh, perspective is when medial prefrontal cortex is involved. That's like the medial part of the front of the brain. Mm -hmm. That's all where other when you think about other people. Okay. Here and now. So that you know, back part is kind of like the memory bank. The side, side, the, the the sides of the back. Yeah. So there is a cold perspective and the hot perspective together. Sometimes come together when you're making a perspective taking. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, so, so how does uh, all right, so we're not, a baby can't do this stuff. Right, I mean, right. right. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, a baby can't do a lot of stuff. But what I mean is when and how do we acquire uh, in our development uh, these abilities? Right. So just like how we talked about brain development in the last episode, mm -hmm. in this episode I'd like to just underscore in a very simple way that for example, three or four processes are interlinked in uh, brain development towards perspective taking. Okay. One is impulse control, where you're trying to suppress your impulse to act while you're thinking about others' thinking because you're not so egocentric and you want to suppress your way of thinking towards other person's perspective. That's when prefrontal cortex is involved. Okay, so that's the key. The impulse is, I want something and I want it right now, but... But, but, or I think this way. I think this way. But okay. I want to think the other person's way. Okay. So that requires some okay. impulse control. And then there is face emotion recognition when you think about other people, uh, what they're thinking, and get the cues from their face. And that is um, where you use superior temporal sulcus, the side of the brain. Okay. And then you also understand emotions of the other person so amygdala is somewhat involved so there is the perspective taking integrated with impulse control and facial emotion recognition all of it develop over time in teenage as these brain parts are developing and networking together okay. in uh, in understanding it what is also fascinating is parietal lobe also develops in teenage and the motor, visuospatial, conceptual, emotional understanding is developed with parietal lobe where you end, see where you imitate other people, mm. right? Or how they sit, how they kind of cross their legs and you, you end up mirroring other people's actions and integrate them into your you own. You adopt them as your own. Adopt yeah. and, that is where the parietal lobe is involved. So all these little aspects of the brain come together. The uh, the front, side, back, bottom, all these parts form this mentalizing. And effort. is this during adolescence? Uh, during, I mean, throughout the adulthood, but acutely so in adolescence. All right. Um, and also we differentiate self from others um, through, the, through this uh, uh, in, inferior parietal lobe. Uh, structure, which is also a very important 
um, area that just kind of helps you to find uh, how you are different from other people. Um, and, and, and also anticipating others' mental state, uh, what others are likely to think. The anticipation is also um, is present from the medial prefrontal cortex, like you were talking, we were talking about the mentalizing. So is the front part of the brain, side part of the brain, back of the brain, all of these kind of work together, doing various aspects. And it's almost like an orchestra that comes uh -huh. together. That's yeah. amazing, really. But it's also, <laughs> it kind of explains <laughs> some teenage behavior, too. Like, they, that they're lacking these basic things explains right. a lot, you know, and it would, I, I think... It helps me sort of uh, tolerate it better, uh, understanding that it's it's really not like an intentional thing, uh, that they just don't have these abilities yet. That's right. I mean, uh, thinking about it, Mike, there's so much we can learn by just not even, the, you know, just knowing that the brain is developing, knowing that it's not all done yet, and that these kids are finagling with it. Yeah. While you're constantly teaching them yeah. how others might be thinking. For example, we, you know, thinking about perspective taking, you can teach them to some extent, although a lot of it is innate. Right. You can also teach, as, as they develop, you can teach them about different characters in a storybook, how the others may be thinking. There's uh -huh. another person's perspective perspective. Say for example, a kid is not really um, settling down in classroom. Um, it's very important for that child to also, or teen, to also understand and learn to develop an understanding of how difficult it is for the teacher yeah. to cope. Um, and, and you always think about adults having to cope with the teens, but we don't think the other way around. Yeah, right. Partly because the kids are still developing, the teenagers are still developing. But that said, we could teach them in our daily work or in our, with our own children how different it. people may be thinking differently, different characters have their own mind. What could you think in their shoes? Yeah. You know, what could they be uh, 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 thinking? How could that be hard? That's where empathy meets perspective taking. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we had touched on this in the last episode, and briefly even today, um, uh, that the thing about uh, people uh, with autism um, lack this ability, even though other people with developmental disabilities don't. Um, yes, yeah, sorry. That's all right. Uh, um, can you talk a little bit more about that uh, and sort of where, yeah, wh what's going on in the brain that, that that, that someone might lack this ability? Um, uh, we are, um, like, say, for example, um, the, grow, the, the most uh, prominent uh, example is autism, mm -hmm. for example. So they might have deficit in perspective taking and as well as theory of mind uh, aspects. It's hard to kind of like separate uh, all of these concepts exactly and precisely. Mm -hmm. But what happens in autism is that the connection within the cortex, uh, cortico-cortical, in other words, the intricate connections within the cortex, mm -hmm. like temporal lobe, uh, prefrontal cortex, and parietal lobe, all of those is somewhat compromised okay. and subcortical cortical connections that is from the areas below the cortex are connected more strongly to individual areas of the cortex much more strongly so there is a compensatory perhaps development or it could be um, 
due to innate difficulties and the way they're born, or it could be experiential difficulties that create different kinds of wiring okay. in these kids. We don't know. So it could be experiential or compensatory or innate, but this connectivity is different in autism uh, in a way. And also, there are deficits in prefrontal cortex with, you know, um, inferior, for example, inferior prefrontal, inferior, sorry, inferior parietal lobe could show decreased activation, whereas right inferior frontal gyrus, that's the front bottom of the brain that's responsible for impulsivity, emotion control, and some of the memory holding, all of those, as, all, the, all of those functions are done um, in IFG, you know, uh, in, in in terms of uh, its connectivity to other parts of the brain. And that inferior frontal gyrus is active and trying harder to uh, gain emotional control and get perspective uh, taking uh, going in autism. And there is also uh, what is called mirror neuron system, where you code what is observed first, you know, visually. You see what is going on around you, mm -hmm. okay? And then you understand the emotions around that aspect that you observe and you imitate, okay? So usually, you know, the people with autism do prefer and favor biological stimuli, non-biological stimuli like houses, for example, in fMRI machine, if you stick them and you want them to remember certain things or point to certain things and with the tasks involving a home, it's easier for them and then they avert their gaze from the faces okay. when they're severe. Okay. Ill. So, I mean, the, the, that deficit is due to perhaps fusiform gyrus area, the area on the side of the brain that is involved in recognizing facial emotions and grasping the thoughts behind what could be going on. So that deficit in fusiform area in particular is also responsible for some of the deficits in uh, appreciating biological stimuli such as faces. Uh, due and, and that's when this mirror neuron network cannot function as efficiently in these kids with autism where there is imitation learning and stuff and they, they fall apart yeah. and, and they end up uh, uh, averting their gaze from people and not being able to have social skills yeah. developed through this imitation process, understanding, capturing and assimilating. Uh, the social skills through development. Because, I mean, I think uh, a common understanding about autism is that it, they have difficulty social, in social situations, and, and this explains it. I mean, it doesn't explain the cause of it, but um, I never understood that it, it the, the, what's not happening in the brain to, to make this difficult. They just don't even have the capacity because, right. because of these, this difference in the development difference in development levels and stuff at different parts of the brain. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, a, it's an ongoing process. And yeah, I mean, uh, if you understand some aspects that are related, but not exactly the same, like theory of mind, by three and four, you could start to actually develop the false belief system and all of that. That's oh. deficient in autism. So you could actually uh, diagnose now with some of this, uh, uh, deficits very early on. Uh -huh. um, I'm, I'm not really going into theory of mind right now, but yeah. if you think about joint attention, you know, when the mothers spend a lot of time with the children and try to 
gain their eye gaze and 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 who and you know when the kids start to understand what that you are special and you're related to them in showing that affection there are these processes that come into place with joint attention that could develop uh, uh, a, a a sense of other okay. uh, early on, and that could help in perspective taking. It could help in theory of mind. It could help in empathy. You know, it could help a number of things with the jointness and connectedness, and helping them understand. And that, that's uh, very why early on. an early diagnosis is so important because you probably can make some different with these various approaches and therapies. Well, you never stop trying, right? No, Mike? no. I mean, yeah. regardless of when, but it, yeah. Okay, well, I think um, we've run up on our time, um, and I think we've wrapped up this topic. Yeah, <laughs> it's been uh, interesting how to think about perspective taking, how it differs from empathy and theory of mind, and how the brain works within perspective taking, and that it develops in teenage. All of these are fascinating concepts that you don't really think naturally day to day no. in your working, but as often as intense as I am involved in uh, taking care of uh, children with problems, I mean, we could use these tools much, much, much more in actively teaching them, under, helping them understand and develop a, 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 a wider thought process. Yes, I agree. Well, thanks, Dr. Pavalori. As always, it's been a pleasure. And until next time, adios. Bye-bye. <laughs>